Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive. Mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. This episode today is super fun and something really different. I was able to interview Lily Ludwig, who is an animal communicator, which is really awesome to hear her perspective on animals and what they have to say. I particularly loved listening to this, obviously, because I have like 800 animals, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I just loved how she was like, you're probably more intuitive with them than you think you are. Just yeah. like when you, I imitate their voices all yes. the time. So it just was kind of fun to hear that that's a way of like communicating with them. And I liked how she was like, literally anybody can do this. And she kind of yes. just like can teach you too. So, I mean, obviously I immediately booked a session, so I'm right. super excited about Which that. Is, like so refreshing because I feel like sometimes people in these spaces, whether it's like psychics, intuitives, mediums, whatever, it's very like, you always have to look external to communicate in that way. And she's like, no, anyone can do it. And it's great to like have someone you work with as well. But I loved that little like Pearl too, about like, if you imitate your animals voices, like you're communicating with them. I was like, wow, I never heard it phrased that way. And when she was like, they just like love you so much and want to spend time with you. And maybe it was like my massive estrogen levels, but I was like sobbing and I was like, oh boy, Nicole, get it together here. (laughs) But it was just like so sweet to think that like, just like, they don't remember like the bad crap you do or yeah. Because that's what, you know, her whole thing is like, people always ask her, like they always have regrets, right? Yeah should I have done this differently? Were they really upset when this happened? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they're all just like unconditional love, you know, which like we honestly probably can't even really fully comprehend that. No. And they're so in the present moment. They're not like dwelling on something in the past. Like that's such a human thing. Right. Yeah. Such good insight. I loved it. Um, And our partner for today's episode is Paleo Valley, who. Dr. Abby and I use a lot of, I'm actually really into, they have an organ mixed supplement that has liver, kidney, and heart. Mm -hmm. I've been taking it every day. Um, the kidney piece can be so good for allergies. The liver is obviously good for everything. I think so many people have been talking about the benefits of liver these days. Um, same with heart and just, we don't get the organs that we should like that our ancestors got in their daily life. And so it's just such an easy way to get something that our body needs. And then I'm also super obsessed with the beef sticks. Yeah. They've got, um, beef sticks, they have bars and they also have a whole line of supplements that are all really clean, more whole food based products, which we love. So if you guys check that out with our link, you get 15% off anything in their store. And our link will be in the show notes. So you guys can just easily scroll down to that and click on it and save. 
All right. Enjoy the episode, guys. All right, everyone, welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. Today, we're super excited to have Lily Ludwig on, and she is an animal intuitive, which is a totally new and exciting topic we haven't um, dove into yet. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So to start out, Lily, I'd love you to just kind of introduce yourself to our audience, who you are, what you do. Totally. Yeah. So I call myself an animal intuitive. It's a little bit different than like traditional animal communication, which you might've heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, So animal communication is basically just the intuitive or telepathic connection between humans and animals. And what I do that's maybe a little bit different than just straight intuitive connection Mm -hmm. is I also provide my clients with some more physical relationship skills and relationship exercises that they can bring to their animals to develop their own intuitive connection with their animals. Because Mm -hmm. I really believe that this connection is happening all the time, whether or not a practitioner is present. And so I really believe in giving my human clients the tools to continue this work on their own time, because that relationship is always developing, whether or not you're working with Mm -hmm. uh, an intuitive. Right. I love that. So kind of giving people more like actionable steps that they can continue on. Yeah. Yeah. And addressing the fact that we, we have a physical relationship with our animals and this emotional, spiritual connection and that they all go hand in hand. And I think sometimes people come to me to work on that emotional, spiritual relationship, and they are kind of neglecting the physical relationship. And so I really believe in giving people the tools to address all the components of that relationship because you can't have one without the other. For sure. Love that. All right. So with every guest on our show, we start out with asking them the same two questions. Okay. So the first question, because we are coffee with the docs and our podcast kind of started out, we're thinking about just like cozying up on the couch with your beverage of choice and talking to these cool people we know. So our first question is what is your current favorite drink of choice? I'm really boring and I don't drink coffee. So my favorite drink of choice would be Jasmine tea in the morning. Ooh. Yeah. It, it, it's cozy and refreshing. Um, I know I'm like the most boring person ever. I'm like the only it's person. Not boring. No one has ever said Jasmine tea. I can tell you that much. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) We have lots of people say water, say any type of beverage you can think of. So it's all good. Does not have to be coffee. Jasmine tea. I love that. Mm -hmm. And then our second question is what is your most recent biohack? Ooh. Okay. I actually have a, I have a good answer for this. I've gotten really into, um, like pre-recorded hypnosis audios. Mm -hmm. I, I went through a phase a couple of weeks ago, actually really just this whole year. I've, had, I've been work, navigating some anxiety and I've found that the, these like pre-recorded hypnosis audios mm-hmm. for uh, relieving anxiety have helped me more than anything else I've tried. And I've tried a lot. Yes, so that's right. my, that's what I've been really into lately. Um, cool. I, I've been doing it before readings too with, with my clients. I've been like to get myself. in in the mood for a reading. So yeah. Yeah. Love that. We actually have um, a couple different episodes on our show with a hypnotherapist. So I love that. It's like direct access to the subconscious and super awesome. 
Yeah, it's very, it's very fascinating stuff. I'm sure your listeners are not scared away by that kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah, are you kidding? <laughs> They're like, give me more voodoo, yeah. all for it. All right, so why don't we kind of start with your story? I'd love to hear, you know, because being an animal intuitive is not something you hear every day. So what kind of brought you to where you're at? When did you discover you had this ability to communicate in that way? all the way to now, like full-blown running your own business, helping to like communicate with people's animals? Well, I've been in love with animals my whole life from the time I was, I mean, three or four. That's always been my interest. Um, I think that the first time I realized I was working with animals in a way that might be different than others was when I was around eight eight or nine years old when I started riding horses um, Mm -hmm. because I was working with animals that were not my own. I was riding like lesson horses and I kind of just knew things about them even before the folks at the barn would tell me about the horses. So for example, I remember going to one of my riding lessons one day when I was in fourth grade and saying to my mom, oh, I think the horse I normally ride is, isn't going to be available today. Cause I think her, her, her front left foot is hurting. My mom's <laughs> like, okay, whatever. And we get to right. the barn and my trainer's like, okay, you're going to be riding a different pony today. Cause the, the one you usually ride is lame today. So that was oh probably one of the, the first times that I was comparing the way that I was understanding right. animals to the way other people were understanding animals. Um, and then I really, I, I think I've been doing this work like my whole life. I, I rode horses all, all as I was growing up and um, kind of abandoned some of the more intuitive stuff as I was getting mm-hmm. more into the uh, like horse showing community, sure. I guess. It's, you can be intuitive and, and show horses, but it is a hard environment to do both, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so then I ended up going to college for animal science and wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I knew that I had this skill set, but I was kind of turned off of the idea of doing it as a career mm-hmm. because I was learning about animal science and getting yeah. really involved in that community. Again, not that animal science and animal intuitive are contradictory. In fact, they're actually really, really complimentary. But at the time I was like, yeah. you know, I want to be a scientist, so I can't do no. this, this yeah. work. Um, and then I ended up when I was in college to make extra money, I was giving my friends readings so that they could understand their pets. Because of course, everyone in my major had tons and tons of animals. (laughs) And I started to have more respect for the intuitive work at that time, because prior to doing the readings for my friends, I sort of thought it's like a party trick. Like it's something that's, that you can impress people with like, Oh, look, I know this thing about your dog without you telling me. And I didn't really believe that it could actually help people. Mm. Um, And then doing it, you know, starting to do more readings for my friends and stuff, it became more evident to me, like, Oh, this is like actually changing the way people understand their animals. And it became more meaningful to me. So then when I graduated, uh, I was, I was doing, I was running my business at the time, like part-time because I was still in school. Sure. And I decided to try to do the business full-time. Um, it was, it was a pretty, looking back, it was kind of not a smart business move. I was, I was really young. I, I still am young, but I, I really didn't know what, yeah. all, I didn't know 
I didn't fully understand what it would mean to support myself full time with my own business. And, and it worked out like, I'm super grateful it worked out. Um, and now it's my full-time job and Uh I've had so many cool opportunities from it. So probably the biggest thing that shifted for me was like, I had to believe in and respect Mm -hmm. this skill because it, 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 like people think it's, it's funky to hear me say that because it is, it's something that I believe in so much now, but even growing up and being involved in the animal science world, there was a part of me that was like, okay, it's cool, but like, is this really going to help people? Is this really going to change the world for animals? Um, And I think watching some of the relationships between my friends and their animals change because of the information that I was able to provide sort of gave me the the courage and the strength to pursue it as a full-time career. And I'm super happy I did. It's been like the most rewarding and soul-fulfilling path I could have ever possibly gone down. So awesome. How long have you been doing it full-time now? Two years. So yeah, this summer is like my two-year anniversary. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So I'd love to hear like, why would it be important for someone to communicate with their animals in this way? And what are some like typical clients that come your way? Why are they reaching out to you for a reading? Yeah. So it depends on the type of client. And I I think I cater to a broad variety. Like I have some people who like to do little check-ins every six months or every year. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like, a relationship maintenance, sort of like we, you know, come in, see what the animal's needing, provide any resources that the human might need to better support their animal. I have some clients who will use me for a very specific part of their animal's life. So they, um, for example, they're, they just got a new dog and they want to make sure that their former dog is feeling supported and they want to work on the relationship between the two dogs or, Um, they're moving and they want to make sure all the animals can make that transition feeling supported. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will come to me at the end of their animal's life and work with me through, um, you know, hospice and through, through the death and then after the death. So it depends on what, what the human client is looking for. And I think there's a variety of ways that I can support people. Um, But I do, you know, the folks who come to me for, for maintenance, you know, like every year, every six yep. months, those are probably like the, the most fun relationships for me to yeah. observe. Cause I get to watch people's relationships with their animals change over time. And then mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who try it out once just to sort of see what it's about. Um, you know, with no real agenda, they just want to see what it's about. And then they'll return yeah. later on when they have, you know, the animal is, approaching the end of life or they're having a behavior question or stuff like that. A a lot of behavior stuff. I think if I, the the most common reasons people come to me would be end of life. They want to connect with the animal for end of life for dogs. It would be the dog is reactive or has um, fear or aggression and they want to know more information about that. And then for cats, it would be, they have two cats that don't get along and they're trying to get the cats to be friends. (laughs) Yeah. How can we make this a cohesive relationship? Yeah. (laughs) So take me through what does a typical session look like when someone works with you? So I always ask the human client what their intention is, because even though we are dependent on what the animals can offer up, I Mm -hmm. have 
my ways of shaping the animals and sort of asking them to be as productive as yeah. as they can be for whatever the human is trying to yeah. uh, to achieve because there are times where you'll connect in with an animal and they want to talk about every single thing except for what their human has right. gotten the session for so i always ask what the human is intending to um to work on and then i Typically, well, if they have more than one animal, I'll tap into the group as a whole and mm-hmm. see if they're having anything that they want to address. If there's, you know, anything within the group that they're not satisfied with that they want their human to know. And then I go into the individuals. So a lot of people will have, um, they'll, they'll have, you know, they'll have four or five animals, but they're really hoping to focus on one that is yeah maybe the problem child or, or having, you know, going through a a health issue that they want to talk about. So then I'll focus in on the animals that the human has requested. And if the human has specific questions, we can ask the animal those questions. It's pretty rare that they won't answer a specific question. And I've, I've gotten to a point where even if an animal is sort of like, I don't want to talk about that, but I'll talk mm-hmm. about this other stuff. Then I, I kind of know how to like help the animal feel comfortable opening up about that topic that they might be a little bit more sensitive right. on. And then there's a lot of people who are just curious and sort of like whatever the animals have to offer up, that's, that's what we'll do. And in that case, I'll start again by tapping into the group. And then I'll just see who the loudest friend in the group is and start there. And because it's easier, it's easier to start with the one who's chattering in your ear than, you know, to work on the more quiet one. So, yeah, that's probably a typical session. I do. I always like to ask what the human is trying to achieve with the session, because I do have um, I learned this phrase that therapists experience. You actually probably experience this as well, called a, a doorknob confession, which is where a client will as their hand is on the door, they're leaving the session, they'll dump a really big piece yeah. of information that was really important. Yeah. To them. <laughs> so sometimes that happens that in, in the last five minutes, you know, we'll do the whole session and they'll be like, oh, by the way, me and my partner are getting divorced. Can you ask the animals how they feel about that? And I'm like, like we need a wow. more time. Yeah. And, and so I, I do encourage my, my human clients to communicate their Mm-hmm. wishes because a lot of times there's things that are really important to us that the animals don't care about like right. like for example you're really worried about a separation with a partner and the animals are like whatever like you guys right. weren't good together anyway <laughs> right they're like cool yeah so I that's why I always allow the humans to shape the session as much as they can because mm-hmm. if the animals have something that they, that is priority for them, they'll make it known and they'll let it know. They'll let me know right away. Like, I'm not going to continue answering any more questions until we talk about this one thing. So I I like to give my human clients a lot of, um, liberty to shape the session how they want. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, when you say, for example, you like tap into one animal or the group of animals or whatever, what does that mean to you? Are you going into like a meditative state? Like, how do you tap in in that way? Yeah. So I will, at this point in where my skills are, typically if I'm working with a human client, if they just tell me the animal's name, I'll begin to feel the animal's energy. So at the beginning of every session, they give me all the animal's names. Um, 
their species and their gender because a lot of animals aren't connected to their gender. So I like to get the, the pronouns right if, if for, the, for the human client. So typically it, it's just a matter of like, I'll do a few deep breaths. I'll, I'll make sure I'm calm and where I need to be. And then they say the animal's name and I immediately begin to feel their energy. Mm-hmm. If I am somewhere that I'm not in a, like, if I haven't done my daily meditation and I'm, um, you know, out with my friends and someone wants like a reading for their dog, I might need to take a few more deep breaths or spend, you know, maybe two minutes in a, in a quiet meditation before my mind is settled enough to receive for, from the animals. But because I've been like, my intuitive muscles are so strengthened because I do it every day. It's, it, it's not a lengthy process to get connected yeah. to usually it sometimes there's an animal who's really like shy or timid mm-hmm. and, and I have to be really, really aware in order to feel their energy. Um, but typically it's just, I just ask for the name and then I can immediately start to feel things when mm-hmm. I was, when I teach people how to do this mm-hmm. work. And when I was getting started doing it professionally, um, I needed a little bit more time, probably like when I'll, when I teach beginners, I like to give them a good, like 10 minutes of relaxation before trying to tap in. That makes sense. Just like learning how to meditate, right? At first it like feels like it takes forever to just like get to that quiet state. And yeah, once you exercise those muscles, um, are there like some super common messages that come through animals regularly kind of like across different family situations etc totally um probably the the number one thing I hear especially from animals who have died is they don't want us to feel guilty Mm -hmm. um there's so many things in our animals lives that we are control of and especially as they're aging or they're dying we we can start to think back on all the different ways that we interacted with them and question that and so that's probably the number one thing, even, even if you did make a mistake in that relationship, yes. they're saying like, let it go. I want you to be yes. present with me. I don't want you to hyper fixate on this one thing you regret doing. So that's really yes. common. Um, they want to spend more time with us. That's a really, really common thing. And they want us to spend time with them in a way that's relaxed and easy. Like a lot of times people think, oh, my dog wants to spend more time with me. So I need to like schedule a hike and go to the beach and do all this stuff and for them they're like let's just like sit in the backyard and not do anything and be next to each other so that's really common and then there's really common requests they have um a lot of them don't like really strong smelling odors so if people are burning a lot of candles or incense or wearing a lot of like scented products, probably like perfume. I get a lot of complaints from animals about they want their humans to wear unscented (laughs) lotions and things like that. So that's really common. So yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of like sort of repeating messages that I'm prepared to hear a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, And then also probably like number one thing is just that our animals love us more than we think they do. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people who will joke about, oh, you know, he only likes me because I'm I'm the one who feeds him or I'm, you know, yeah. he knows that he needs me. And it's like your animals love you right. probably in a in a way that's more pure than you're used to feeling in your human yeah. relationship. So that probably we can hardly comprehend, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Love that. Oh, well, I think that um, probably hits home for a lot of people. The kind of first thing you were talking about with like the end of life that I think it's just human nature to go back and be like, I wish I would have stayed home more. I wish, or even decisions on their health. Like, I wish I wouldn't have done that intervention or medication and who knows, or I would have taken them to the vet soon. Like, I think it's so natural for us to try and do that. It's like a protective thing, but I think like you're saying with animals that are just so pure, there's like no judgment from them. Right. It's just. Yeah. They don't perceive it as, I mean, say like worst case scenario, you're, you know, the animal had an inoperable tumor that if you had taken them to the vet sooner, you could have saved them, you know, even in that instance, the animals perceive it as, oh, this is the end of my life. They not, Mm -hmm oh, you messed up. You should have taken right. it sooner. And I could have had all this amazing yes. stuff if you were just smarter. Like they just, they don't even, they don't even perceive the world that way. Right. So it's, and they it's hard. Because, like that's their path. Right. And yeah. And that's what's, and that's what's meant to be. And most of them are not afraid of dying. They're not afraid of death. They're more afraid of suffering than death. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I actually can't think about a case that I've worked with where the animal seemed afraid of dying so it's also a kind of a I I didn't realize this when I went into this job but I have learned a lot more about death and dying and the way that humans receive death and dying than Mm -hmm. I ever thought I would just because Mm -hmm. most of our companion animals we will outlive them so we will see their death we will see them die Um, and it's it's really I've learned a lot about the way people handle that that experience Yeah. Super powerful. So I'd love for you to give us like two or three stories on how people that were able to do a session with you and connect with their animals in this way, it like changed their dynamic or changed their life or changed like the pet's health or their health, just like kind of some cool stories. Yeah. Let me think about like my, my, favorite experiences um probably my favorite thing to do is when I'm working with missing animals and I actually mm-hmm. I actually used to be really uncomfortable doing this because I was always so like I had to like learn to trust myself I was afraid that I was going to give someone bad information and like send them on a wild goose chase and so kind of what I've started doing is giving people a lot of resources for where they're for how to handle missing animals telling them what I feel and then just sending to the animal, like come home, try to retrace your steps, things like that. Um, if, if they're, if they believe the animals in an area where it's safe to approach a human, I'll say, you know, go find the the first healthy or safe looking person you see and approach them. Um, but I did, I had a cat that, um, was missing. And this, this was like, this was like back in a year ago when I did not have good boundaries with work and I was like so exhausted. And this woman was messaging me on Instagram and she was like, can you please, please, please get me in sooner? Like my cat is missing. Like, please try to help me. And I was getting worried because I was pretty gassed and I was like, I don't want to work with this sensitive case, you know, when I'm really exhausted, but I finally met with her and like, then, then it was like a whole thing where she like, we got the time wrong. And then she was like, she thought she like missed the session. It was a whole thing. I finally met with her and 
worked with the cat and I was so tired and I was so like just worried about it because I was so like worried that I was going to give bad information and I was honest with her and told her how tired I was and that um you know this is what I'm feeling but I but I'm just going to try to encourage your cat as best I can to come home and I was really feeling from the cat like he was okay and just on a fabulous adventure and he was sort of like yeah I know where I am but <laughs> like stop trying adventure. like stop calling me like I'm, I'll, I'll get to you when I get to you and then finally I said to this cat I was, I was like listen dude like I'm exhausted your mom has been crying for a week straight like if you're good you need to get your little booty home yes right now and the next morning she messaged me and said he was he was in her kitchen that morning (laughs) like I was like you little turd like if you're telling me you're fine you need to get home right now yeah seriously you have scared too many people so that was that was fun um I also like it when I've had a few, so I had a, a client um, that they had just moved into a new, a new building and the dog has, I've worked with the dog a lot through a lot of his fear related issues and the new building they moved into had hardwood and he'd never been on hardwood before. And so he was like limited to one part of the home because he was like too scared to step on the hardwood oh and so God. finally I, I I was like really trying to reason with him and be like you know nothing bad will happen to you if you step on the hardwood like I like right. your mom is not gonna let anything bad happen to you and he was like you know I I, I trust my mom I just don't trust yeah. the hardwood like I don't know what to do about that and I was like what can we do to compromise with you and he had said he wanted a little bit of traction to like a mat or something so that he could practice mm-hmm. walking on the hardwood. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird, but I'll, I'll tell your mom. Right. And then the next day she, she messaged me that he was like literally walking from one corner of the room to the other. Like he'd like walk really tentatively on the hardwood, get to the mat, speed up, get to the other end of the mat and then like walk really tentatively. It's like he was <laughs> practicing walking on the hardwood. Right. So that was fun just to watch his. Um, so funny his his life kind of like open up yeah. and expand yeah 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 well that's a perfect example like when you're saying people commonly reach out to you with behavior things mm-hmm. and then it's like you're able to have a conversation with them um you know how you can like troubleshoot that and yeah I think it's just so powerful to get straight to the animal like what do you need yeah. to help us get through this you know than just guessing and to um, find like compromises too, because there's times where we have all these grand ideas about the way that our yes. animals should be, and they have their ideas about the way the world should be. And to find mm-hmm. like this middle ground of like, okay, we can't get rid of the hardwood, but we'll help yes. you learn how to right. walk and stand on it. And he's been living in that house for a year now and he's doing just fine. So that's awesome. Love that. Now, are there any animals for any reason that you are unable to communicate with? It's happened a couple times um and some not all of them flow as as beautifully and easily as others so I what happens more frequently is I've got an animal that's a little bit stubborn and a little bit like just kind of closed off and so I can they'll let me ask like surface level questions but they won't really let us get into anything serious and that those are the times where I kind of I have like my little ways of like asking questions surrounding the topic that are maybe more surface level to get as much information as I can. Right. And then it has happened 
I think twice since I started working professionally that I just didn't get anything at all. Um, And looking back on those cases, there was, I think it was more the headspace I was in than anything to do. I think it was, there were like Mm -hmm. tricky animals and I was in, I was either feeling insecure or feeling, you know, like feeling not comfortable in the situation. So it has happened twice, but it's so, I mean, and that was even a couple of years ago. So it's, it's really, really rare that it's just like radio silence. Absolutely not. Right. That you can't get anything. Totally. Now kind of going back to the topic of pets passing away, where do pets go on the other side and how is it connecting with pets that have passed on versus pets that are like here in the physical form? Yeah. So my experience with mm-hmm. animals in the afterlife is that they go where we go. I, I always say whenever I'm in a reading, I'm like heaven, the afterlife, spirit world, whatever that means to you, right. that's where they are. Um, they do connect with our human loved ones and spirit. They also connect with their animal family and spirit. So a lot of people are really surprised when I say, okay, he's with his birth mom. And they're like, I'm his mom. (laughs) Like, He's with his birth mom, the one who brought him into this world physically. Um, So they, yeah, they connect with our human family and their animal family. And my understanding is that it can be as physical or non-physical as they want it to be. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll work with animals who are very clearly showing me like, look, I'm still playing ball with grandpa in the, in the lake and it's, we're having so much fun. And other times they're more like, I'm, I'm with you always. I'm like, my energy is surrounding you always. So I think it depends on the animal, how they like show up in the reading and how they want their human to sort of comprehend their life in the afterlife. But it is my understanding and what I've experienced is it's the same place as where humans go. And I do have a lot of clients who are, who worry about that, who, mm-hmm. whatever, because of whatever experiences they've had, whether right. that's with religion or whatever, they're really worried there. I have more people who are worried that their animals go to a different heaven than right. that just their animals don't go to heaven at all. A lot of people are like, okay, I know that my dog went to heaven. I know I'm going to go to heaven, but what if we don't see each other again? And I'm right. like, I think you'll You're see good. Yeah. I've, I've just never experienced a time where the dog was or the animals were like, you know, the, the, I'll, I'll be in, in a different eternity than you. So, right. Right. So that's my understanding. And the way that it's different from living animals, um, probably they're just less concerned about what's happening here on earth. So that actually is sort of a, a unique challenge about my job is that a lot of people who want to work with their animals who have died will come to me with really specific, like, please tell them I'm so sorry for the time that I, you know, that I left, that the dog sitter didn't come and they were, they couldn't go out for, for 36 hours. Please tell them that. And the animal will be like, yeah, I've moved on. Like I'm in spirit. Like, let's talk about what's going on with, with my human and how I can support them in this moment of their life. Like they're so far removed almost from the experiences they've had on earth. And so I do have to kind of encourage them. I, I call it like bringing them down to earth. I'm like, okay, we got to talk about stuff that's happening on earth. Cause that's what your human cares about. Like they, they, of course they want to know you're at peace and you're feeling blissed out and you, you know, that you're still with them, but they want to know that you're okay with that one time they made a mistake yes. or whatever it is. Yes. So it's like the guilt that we carry, that's like so unnecessary. I'm sure. 
that it, it's like eating people alive and they're like waiting for this one session like so that they can feel okay and that yeah if there's like one thing I could tell people who who love mm-hmm. animals it's that they forgive you and yes and they forgive you even for the things that you don't need to be forgiven for you know like for for not knowing what you didn't know right when you know when you were younger or whatever so that's the, probably the difference between the animals who have who have died is that they they're so like uninterested in, in earth and, in, yeah. and they're more interested in talking about how much how much they love their human and how happy they are and right how good it totally. feels that's awesome yeah. now you had mentioned you know that people can also kind of learn this work and learn to be able to better communicate with their animals um do you feel like this is an ability literally anyone can tackle? You know, I would assume there's probably some people that maybe it's easier for than others. Yeah, I I do think anyone can do this. And I also think it comes more naturally to, to some than others, just like any skill. Like there's, yeah. there's some skills that come really easily to some people and are really challenging for others. Um, but I do think anyone, anyone can do it. And I actually think... Um, I think people do it more often than they know. I have a lot of people who will come to me and say, you know, this is what I think, but I just want confirmation. And it's like, it's like, you're already, you don't even need me. Like you're already doing this. Right. And I also have a lot of people, anyone who ever imitates their dog's voice is doing animal communication. People who will be like, they're feeding uh-huh. the dog and they'll be like, just give me the food lady. I'm like, you're doing animal communication. That's what this is right now. So that's um, animal communication. But I think the people who are best at doing animal communication are people who work with animals every day, mm-hmm. um, who are, who are inherently connected. So I've had, I've worked with veterinarians or farriers, animal trainers, people who are with animals every single day who wouldn't necessarily be interested in the services that I provide. And I see them say almost word for word what I'm feeling from the animal. Wow. And it's like, That's they don't cool. even know that they're doing yeah. right. intuitive work. Right. That makes sense. And probably people like you who maybe when they were younger or whatever, like literally would go like talk to animals. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they just like naturally kind of like you, like fell into that and maybe never really harnessed it or turned it off or you know for whatever reason yeah probably most kids are already doing this Mm -hmm. I mean if you've ever seen a kid play with a puppy it's like they're they're doing stuff that just doesn't make sense to other adults for sure I've heard a lot of people say that about just like even like psychic mediumship in general like all children are able to do that I really, I really believe that. I think, I think that you lose it as you, I mean, it kind of happened to me. Like you, you, you hear from the people you trust in your life to do things a certain way. And you're so young and impressionable that you're, you're just so used to like, yeah, I don't know. You must know that this is the right way to do things. And then you have to kind of relearn how to do it as, as a young adult, which is, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I always maintained that connection, but I did tune it out for parts of my yeah, young yeah. life. And I'm sure it helped that you were around animals all the time, yeah. right? It's not like you didn't like live in a home with zero animals, not work with animals. So you were still like around that energy all the time. Yeah. They're not like it or not. Door. Here yeah. you are. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, what are some resources you recommend for people that are thinking, I want to learn about this skill? Are there like books, great websites, podcasts, like courses? Yeah. Well, you should always follow me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I have a lot of resources on on my social medias. Um, I'm on TikTok and Instagram. And I do do quite a bit of kind of free little like Mm -hmm. exercises and things that you can do with your animals. Um, Penelope Smith is an awesome, awesome resource. She has several books. Mm -hmm. Um, She's kind of the someone who brought who, who shaped animal communication in the Western world in a way that makes a lot of sense to Westerners. So that's a great resource as well. Um, and then aside from that, I'd say just hanging out with your animals. There's, I have a lot of people who come to me who are really enthusiastic about animal communication who will say, like, I just started meditating and getting into tarot and crystals and all this stuff. And I'm so excited to start talking to animals. And I'm like, those are awesome resources. And if they help you feel connected, then that's amazing. But you really don't need additional resources to make a connection with your animals. They want to spend time with us. They want to spend quiet time with us. So Mm -hmm. meditating with your animals and, and seeing what happens there. I think that's an awesome place for people to start. And just understanding that your animals are unique souls with their own path and their own methods of communication. And then preparing yourself to receive those messages from them, getting getting your mind quiet, getting in a headspace to receive. I think that is more powerful than any sort of course or book or anything. And I and I teach animal communication. I'm saying that, and that's yeah. probably the, the number one thing I always tell my students is like, just be with your animals, just yep. experience life with them, and and that will give you the context to receive the messages from them when they do send them to you. Because if you don't hang out with animals and you don't know what their world looks like, then you could be receiving all these messages and it just doesn't mean anything to you because you, the only context you can apply that to is your life and your world. Right. Um, So yeah, spending time with animals is probably number one. Not even just like you can read all the books about cooking you want, but until you actually put it to practice, it doesn't mean much. Right. Um, so it's, it's just, like it's just words on a page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Awesome. Well, tell our listeners, we will, of course, link to your accounts and stuff where they can follow you and learn all this amazing stuff and work with you if they want. But what are your handles on TikTok, Instagram? Do you have a website? Yeah. So my Instagram is Lil Ludwig underscore animal intuitive. It's L-I-L-L-U-D-W-I-G underscore animal intuitive. My TikTok is Lil Ludwig and my website is Lil Ludwig animal intuitive.com. It's really long. And I didn't think about that before I got into business. And everyone's <laughs> like, your handle is so long. And I'm no, like, it's oh, I can't too late. It's done. <laughs> it is what it is. It's all good. Awesome. Well, we will link to that for our listeners for sure. So thank you so much for your time. This thank was you awesome. for having me. It was so nice to, to talk about animals. Of course. And everyone start hanging out with your animals more. See what they do. It. Do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here and products recommended or sold on coffeewiththedocs.com and or our podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this site and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a face-to-face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. By using any of this information or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release Dr. Nicole Huffman and Dr. Abby Kramer and its partners and guests from any and all liability whatsoever, including that arising from negligence.